Hey, you found us. It's a special edition of the Ben and Matt Sportscast with no tag team partner, Matt Story. It is I, Ben Glicksman, alongside a new sidekick, our first guest in the history of the pod, Pat Richardson. And I already recorded this intro once, so if you don't like this version, the other version was much, much better, I promise you. <laughs> it wouldn't uh, wouldn't be a good uh, conference call between friends if we didn't have nine or ten false starts, right? So, Pat, you are not... You are not regional-specific with your fan loyalty. You grew up a Braves fan because they were on TBS, um, and you don't really feel any strong allegiance to the Arizona teams. Fair? That is absolutely correct. And uh, I think I spent a good 15 years of my life trying to justify that to people, and so I think I'm uh, finally at the point where I'm just over it, and so I'm kind of starting over as a sports fan in my early 30s. Or I've just decided that uh, I lived in Cleveland. They had a bad enough reputation that uh, I probably wouldn't take a lot of heat for being a bandwagoner if I decided to tell everybody I was a big Cleveland sports fan. Might even uh, engender a little bit of sympathy. Um, and then it worked perfectly that as soon as I decided I was back on board, the Indians made the playoffs. And then uh, LeBron James, bless his heart, left and came back. And uh, so we had a, some good national attention. Uh, we got a championship ring. People were feeling really sorry for me when the uh, Cubs knocked him off in the World Series last year. So, yeah, it couldn't have worked out better for me. So uh, that's the most important thing. And the other thing, in addition to not being a Phoenix sports fan, is you are, fair to say, not a football fan. I mean, you the only football game I've ever attended with you, we were wearing uh, Sal Point beer-dispensing helmets, uh, but drinking soda because we were <laughs> underage, and that's not cool. Uh to drink underage. So <laughs> <laughs> Correct. You know, that might have been the last time I was really into a football game. So what would have that that we would have been seventeen juniors in high school. Um, I think, yeah, I just kinda I mean I was all I was all baseball all the time from like age five onward. Um, and <laughs> I was living in the middle of Iowa, so there wasn't really a, a team to attach myself to. Um, and I just kind of, it just intimidated me. I'm very much a passive person, uh, very much not a, uh, competitive person. And it seemed like a sport that you had to really be into and be good at. Um, and I just knew that was never going to happen for me. Um, so I kind of, I learned enough about football to kind of fake it through conversations, uh, particularly with close friends such as yourself, but I never like enjoyed football and that continues to this day. And now that I'm, uh, <laughs> Uh, probably the closest to a registered socialist of any person that you'll ever have on the podcast. Um, I, it's kind of allowed for a little bit of uh, political standing on, you know, stadium financing and hiding concussions and lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, I think um, now that I moved out to the East Coast, there's enough football fans around me that it's worth it to uh, to have a vested interest on a Sunday. I figured I'd keep the Cleveland Brown fandom going. Um, the bar would be nice and low if they go two and fourteen this year. That's a huge success, as far as I've gathered. So uh, that's so that's where we're standing. So the thing, first of all, that I appreciate about this is is one you're, you've now developed some sort of regional consistency, um, which, as your friend, I at least can understand. I, I still think that you <laughs> had you had better regions that you could have been drawing from. Like you could have just landed on Atlanta and had the Braves and the Falcons who made the Super Bowl last year. Um, and then you would have been hung with the Hawks, so you still would have only had two out of three, but, but it would have been a good two. 
Or now, right. you, you, now you live in New England. You could have taken the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Red Sox and been very uh, annoying as a fan. So yeah, I, even the even like the the New York Giants are a big deal here where I am, and like people seem to really be into them, and they've got a couple of bulls under their belts recently. Like it'd be pretty easy to buy a blue shirt and blend in at a bar, but no, I'm, I've decided this is going to be homework and this is going to be penance for uh, um, the itineracy of my early sports fandom. <laughs> so, um, like I said, it was all baseball all the time. It was all Braves just because that's who was on TV um, when I was growing up. And then I actually remember really distinctly when Liberty Media bought the Braves. And uh, I remember thinking that who cares? It's just ownership in baseball. Um, and then they discussed, uh, there, there was some sort of press conference where the, um, I, I realized that Liberty Media was, in fact, not a person. They were a corporation. And uh, I'll let the lawyers parse the language on that. But they described the Braves as one of their like exciting new assets that they were expecting uh, pretty steady blue chip type growth on. And this just didn't bode well for the uh, a guy that was used to Ted Turner kind of setting the world on fire and salting the earth behind him. Um, so that was kind of the, the beginning of the undoing. And then um, just as the as the Braves got <laughs> uh, worse and worse, project, uh, predictably with an ownership that didn't care, um, it, it became easier to kind of let them go. Um, and then, you know, luckily enough, Braves bad, Indians got good, and uh, kind of landed softly on my feet. So, yeah. again, it's a, it, it feels a little bit of a bandwagon hopping because I'm suddenly a Cleveland sports fan when it's not the most embarrassing thing in the world to be a Cleveland sports fan. Um, so I think maybe, yeah, 17 weeks of Cleveland Browns might uh, kind of put me back in my place a little bit. So we couldn't have picked a better time to do this because scrolling along the bottom line, Deshaun Kaiser just got named the 27th Browns starting quarterback since the franchise returned, uh, beating out Brock Osweiler and Cody Kessler for the job. So you are diving in uh, into the deep end of the pool as far as troubled sports franchises go. Uh, right. And uh, so let me interject here. I'd made a little outline of like, all right, I, I crammed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. I had some other stuff going on, but I wanted to be knowledgeable enough about football in general, the end of the state of the NFL, the Browns, that I could talk about this. And I had a little outline, and number one on the outline was, is Osweiler as bad as everybody thinks he is? And then I listened to your guys' last episode of the podcast, and it kicked off with, uh, man, if Osweiler can't make Browns, <laughs> you know, how, how bad could you possibly be that you're not going to make the uh, starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns? And uh, so then I had to Google everything all over again and figure <laughs> out that, man, I can't even talk about Osweiler. So I think I'm getting a little bit of a taste of the ability of putting any hope in this team. Was, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd done the classic Cleveland mistake of uh, the I followed the Browns on Twitter and they immediately tweeted out a meme that was, uh, for those about to Brock, we salute you, trying to get us really fired up about the Osweiler era. And uh, yeah, that, uh, that played out about as well as you could have expected, I would say. I mean, it lasted two whole preseason games, so that is yeah. really fun. Um, <laughs> right. you know, I, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you were able to find this out before you invested in the Osweiler jersey. Um, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that, that would have been really devastating. You, this guy who basically Cleveland took in a salary dump to add draft picks, who now will not start and who they're going to try to probably package with those same draft picks somewhere else. Um, yeah. yeah, and what's a uh, what's an authentic jersey go for in the NFL shop? About two hundred bones these days. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can uh, I can get store credit, and if that thing still gets delivered, I can wear it for Halloween at least. Yeah, I would. If I was a Browns fan, I would invest in the Joe Thomas 
jersey because at least he plays every week. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, we're on the same wavelength because uh, going back to my outline, point number two was we have a guy named Joe Thomas and he's apparently very good. That was, uh, like, that was a sentence that I composed with an exclamation point at the end. That was point number two of things that Patrick has learned about the Cleveland Browns. So I mean, it seems like you're checking all of the important early boxes in your newfound NFL yeah, yeah. fandom. Uh, <laughs> Here, so. let's, let's, let's just wrap it up. We got uh, Brock Eyes, Osweiler is bad. Joe Thomas is very good and seems to be a nice guy. Uh, we drafted number one, uh, a, a guy by the name of Garrett, who played for our uh, friend of the podcast, Texas A&M. Correct? Am I? You're you're three for three on points. You've learned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, this guy, Deshaun Kaiser, who played for Notre Dame, is apparently the next next hope. So quarterback number 28 and 29 are already lined up, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you've pretty much much hit the nail (laughs) on the head here. If I was going to say – let me ask you this. Is there anything that you have discovered that makes you excited about becoming a football fan – or specifically a Cleveland Browns fan? Well, so there was something that I, I always kind of disliked about the NFL in general um, was that everybody I knew was a football fan, and that meant from 1 p.m., well, I guess, you know, out in Arizona it would have been 11 a.m. 11 or 10 a.m., depending on daylight savings time. Um, but if you were a football fan, you were just unavailable, your friends and family, from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Sunday, and then... Eventually, they added in, like, Thursday night, you're unavailable. <laughs> uh, Monday night, you're available. Sunday night, you're unavailable. Uh, and then, you know, I, I kind of repented, like, man, why can't we, like, play around to golf or something? Um, but it's be, like, on the other side of that, which is everyone in the planet is sitting in a bar at 10 a.m. Um, enjoying hot wings and nachos. Like, it's not the worst way to spend a Sunday. So if I can, like, pretend to care about the score and not make too many, like you know, power to the masses and I hope they go on a worker strike in 2020 or whenever the uh, next labor <laughs> deal is up. If I can just, if, if, if I can just pretend to like, oh man, Osweiler does it again or no, it's the Kaiser, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if I can just like sit there, sit there and eat my nachos and have a couple of pints. Like I'm, I'm now in this, this crowd of people that you just get away with that on Sundays. So. Yeah, I mean, you blend in, you'll wear your orange shirt. If you go to a general sports bar, no one's going to ask you about the Browns because nobody's going to care. And if you go to a Brown-specific bar, everyone's going to be really sad anyway. So you could blend right in with this. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, have you... Yeah, I, um, I think I'm excited about uh, knowing that every male friend of mine uh, who is a sports fan, I know I have something to do with them on Sundays or before I had to... You know, do homework or read a book or whatever. Like now, I can now I can go uh, make make poor dietary choices and, and feel like I'm just bonding and becoming part of the American landscape. So. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I'm glad that you've abandoned the idea of bettering yourself on fall Sundays because the rest <laughs> of the country has. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. I think it provides you with a, a good distraction from all of the terrors that are going on uh, in normal real world life to back out, watch a couple. 285 pound guys run as fast as they can head first into each other with a helmet and uh you know they're cheerleaders so you're pretty much covered (laughs) yep and so i think another possibly exciting thing about uh being a new nfl fan at this point in history is that it's the uh it's the perfect analogy of the terrors that are happening in the world because tom brady is a uh, of our current president and everybody hates the patriots so you get to root against them 
they're inevitably going to win and you get to feel like, man, there's just nobody looking out for the little guy. So Mm -hmm. if I figure if I'm a Browns fan, I can root against the Patriots. And when the Patriots go 13 and three and cruise to a, another Super Bowl or have even better, have some sort of heartbreaking, unexpected comeback that, you know, uh, Nate Silver at 538 could have never seen coming in the uh, third quarter <laughs> of the Super Bowl. Uh, I get to I get to feel like, man, isn't that just the way it shakes out? No one's <laughs> it's, it's a it's a good time to be a fan of uh, evil, unfeeling uh, juggernauts. So um, I, I, I think maybe it's a it's a good time to to be on that side and it's a good time to cheer against them also. So that's another thing I'd say I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you've really got it. Uh, it's playing to your, you know, <laughs> philosophical side because you're seeing the allegorical nature of the NFL. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so Just I, like, like, a norm, like a normal NFL fan, I've uh, conflated this with uh, Marxism and the current geopolitical climate the, the way that most people do on a Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember in law school when I would go to the uh, Pizzeria Uno in the basement at Harvard Square and watch games, I was often finding myself thinking how would some of the great philosophers uh, from the nihilists all the way through, you know, the deep existential thinkers, uh, how would they feel about the Packers' chances if Aaron Rodgers were to, God forbid, get hurt? And I think we all agree right. that the nihilists were the right ones. If Aaron Rodgers got hurt, then nothing matters anyway. <laughs> Right, and well, I think my favorite part of that is that if you went to the nihilist, they'd probably be on their second or third pints, and they'd be three quarters of a way through a plate of nachos, and you'd fit right in. <laughs> so now that now that we're here, you're in, or you're getting in. What do you think your actual buy-in is? Because I want to check back in with you as the season goes on. What do you think your buy-in so, is going to be as a fan? So here, here is my uh, the I've I've made it like it's an appointment on my calendar. I have every game on the calendar. I, I, I can't promise I'm going to sit and watch 17 weeks of Cleveland Browns football. I, I don't well, think Well, there's a buy. Don't themselves. forget that there's a buy in there. <laughs> oh, correct, correct. That's uh, how, to, how, could I, how could I have overlooked? <laughs> there's a week of um, uh, hair pulling and fretting about the future. Um, right. That's, uh, that every Browns fan has to endure. Um, so um, so I, I've, I've got an appointment on the calendar. I'm going to at least like read a recap and get as many highlights as I can. If I can find a bar where I can quietly watch the game on the distant small television and everyone will leave me alone, I'll at least try to catch a quarter of it. And I, I've promised myself that I'll at least send you uh, a, at least a text message, but preferably something like 100 to 200 words to see how thoughts and feelings are, specifically about being a fan of the Cleveland Browns, not a uh, not an opponent of Roger Goodell's America, not an opponent of Tom Brady and uh, uh, president number 45, but what is it like to be a Browns fan cheering for the Cleveland Browns? You're at least going to get a text message every week, and uh, maybe we can put it together into a uh, short story at the end of it, and it'll read like, um, you know, leaves of grass or something at the end where I'll uh, wax and wane poetically and into and out of nihilism and, uh, you know, I think <laughs> there you go. Is... At, 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 least, at least once a week you're going to get a text message. Uh, I'd be happy to call back in and if, if the Browns win two games in a row or something and I have to have to vent how, how exhilarated I am at the prospect of a winning streak, you know? I think we're going to have a – this one, this is going to be the best sociological experiment that no one's ever funded. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and two, I, I think that we're going to have to have a regular check-in maybe quarterly on the season uh, every four games or so. Just, ha- just check in with you, see where your head's at, and uh, see if you – 
if you can make it. I, I have to be honest, I'm a little skeptical because when you dive in <laughs> when you dive in with a team that is consistently among the worst five teams in the league, um, it it takes a lot of chutzpah to think that you're gonna make it through the season and care even a modicum <laughs> amount about the outcome of games right. starting in week seven. Um, so so I think uh, so I think the challenge A would be to actually see this through to the end of the season, but like to to actually stand by the conviction of you know do the actual Browns fan thing of like you know holding on to hope when none should be present rather than just kind of falling out of it and viewing it as a sociological experiment. Like I, I need to actually care that they're winning uh, so few games and think that you know just just maybe maybe one more lineman would solve it or maybe Garrett's rolling his ankle or you know whatever. I think I, yeah. I, the challenge is going to actually stay invested the way that a Cleveland Browns fan would. So I think the maybe the quarterly check-ins will kind of recharge the batteries every <laughs> after every 0 and 4 block of Cleveland Browns football. I can reassess uh, how would a Browns fan be feeling right now if you were a real Browns fan? How close do I compare? Yeah, I mean I I think the real test is going to be at some point probably sooner than later quite honestly. Uh, you'll, will, <laughs> will you start watching games, uh, Wyoming Cowboys and, uh, USC Trojans to see the top two projected quarterbacks in the draft and, and, and how they would fit in a Cleveland Browns system under Hugh Jackson. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be our big test, but, uh, we'll check yeah. in regularly. We'll find out how this, uh, experiment unfolds and who knows, maybe you might find yourself accidentally invested in this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I promise to at least have fun doing it. Uh, so if I if I ever if you ever catch me taking this too seriously, remind me uh, of of my good fortune so far in choosing this particular point in time to become a Cleveland sports fan, because I haven't had to fight through it the way they, you know my aunt and all God bless them they've been living in Cleveland for about four years. Um, so I, I think they're skeptical that I'm going to see this through also because they <laughs> they know what it actually means to to care about this team. Um, so yeah, there we go. (laughs) Well, we'll be back, uh, to check in on the Browns quarterly. Matt and I will be back, uh, later this week to recap the ASU New Mexico state game and any other friends of the pod who, uh, want to try to adopt a team that's not any good and want to talk about it and how it compares to (laughs) modern geopolitical issues or historical philosophical views. Please let me know. Uh, Pat's kind of got that market cornered right now, but if you start writing our fake ads, maybe you too could become a friend of the pod. Until next time, he's Pat. I'm Ben, but it's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.